It's Uncovered. It's Wednesday. I'm Anthony Davis, and he is Ron Filipkowski, uh, the editor of the MidasTouch.com website and former federal prosecutor and a whole bunch of other things, right? I think right. You, your list is probably longer than my list, but that's not the point. Um, <laughs> Can't got, keep a job. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I remember once for a job saying I could ride a horse, <laughs> and I couldn't. Oh. Um, Let's talk about the uh, the big news that's happening. We've got a lot to get through today. As you know, this is the show where we kind of uncover far-right propaganda across the U.S., um, stuff that isn't covered by the mainstream media, who I have to say on several subjects at the moment, I don't know if you've noticed this, Ron, but especially on the war between Hamas and, and Israel, the coverage has been terrible in my view. You know, I, I just think they don't really know what they're talking about. I even heard them refer to, you know, the Palestinian nation is fighting against the Israeli nation. I was like, which school did you go to? Anyway, we'll come to that later. But They're definitely uh, conflating the parties, yes. Yeah, they just don't really kind of understand the, maybe the history. I don't know, but it's like yeah. there, there, there is a desire to create a kind of you know, a very traditional drama, two-horse yep. race type thing. And and as we know, they're doing that with this election. They're doing it normalizing Donald Trump and his extremist behavior. And, you know, the media let us down in 2016, as you know, 2020, potentially. And here we are again leading into an election year. And they still seem not to have learned. Maybe there's a financial incentive just to keep playing the game. Who knows? So we have a speaker race going on as we speak. Uh, Steve Scalise is out front. Just kind of bring us up to date where we're at with that. Um, we'll talk about who's endorsed him, but he's still several votes short of a win, isn't he? Yeah, so we can talk about this live right now, up to date, and then five minutes from now it'll be different yeah. <laughs> because things are literally changing so fast. But yeah, it just how this unfolded is just wild. So Chip Roy started out with the vote on Chip Roy's motion, which made a lot of sense strategically. And what 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 he was trying to do is avoid a floor fight and, and avoid going through what they went through back in January, because I think he reads the room very well as far as the American people do not want to see another spectacle like that with all the stuff we have going on. The fact that we haven't had a speaker for a week. And so what his motion was, would have said was, we don't leave this room until enough votes to confirm the speaker. He has all the votes, whoever, whoever the nominee has all the votes. We don't leave this room until we have that commitment. Um, and so I thought that made a hell of a lot of sense, but that was shot down. They didn't agree to that because Scalise didn't want that because Scalise figured Scalise knew he had enough votes to get out of that room as the nominee. And he didn't want to gamble on having a long protracted battle. So that gets shot down. Scalise ends up narrowly defeating Jordan. The interesting part about that, of course, is that Trump endorsed Jordan and That's Jordan right. loses. And let's not forget that Trump was potentially a candidate himself. And this morning it was announced that yeah. the GOP has rejected Donald Trump as a potential speaker candidate. Yeah, I don't ever. I don't think that was ever serious, but but yeah, that was, it was being a, it might, even a publicity stunt. But it, it's yeah. still it, it's not it's still not good publicity in my view. Right. So now the real drama comes in, which is, you know, Scalise leaves the room with 113 votes, which is not even close to what he needs to become speaker. So then all eyes are on like the people who didn't vote for him. What are they going to do? 
And I had a feeling that um, Jim Jordan was going to fall in line, which he did. I even knew Matt Gates was going to fall in line because he already said that before in an interview that if Scalise is the nominee, he'll support him. But the problem is there's a there's a good seven or eight already that have come out and said, I'm not voting for Scalise. So Marjorie Taylor Greene, right Lauren Boebert, the, the extremists. Yep. yep. So right there, he doesn't have the votes because yep. you also have the problem of Corey Mills, who would support Scalise, is in Israel. He flew to Israel. He's an ex-Marine. Um, I speak to him from time to time. He's a Republican representative from Florida. And he went to Israel to help... Um, rescue americans he's actually doing a really good job over there i think he's rescued something like 32 of them already um but he's obviously not here to vote either so um yeah i think i think scalise has got real problems so they were supposed to vote at three o'clock today and they just they canceled it because they knew they didn't have the votes and it it took mccarthy 15 rounds of voting to get elected himself yeah they so don't they want to repeat that, do they? They don't want to get into a situation where there are right. multiple votes because it means that they don't have the full support of the House and there is less confidence in the Speaker. Yeah. So so they postponed it to tomorrow. So now tonight is going to be crazy because, you know, there's going to be all kinds of phone calls being made, social yeah. media posts. The other funny part was Adam Kinzinger's post, which I thought was brilliant. I don't know if he did this on purpose. But he basically came out and said, Scalise is the right guy to, to get you Ukraine funding for Ukraine. And and of course, I put that out because I wanted all of the, uh, you know, Scalise opponents to see it. And I wanted them to all see that Kinzinger is backing Scalise because of Ukraine aid. And of course, that's what happened. You know, they all kind of went that's 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 getting around now that that Kinzinger post. And it's creating some problems for Scalise. Scalise was asked by the media, it might have been last night, if he acknowledged and accepted that Joe Biden was the legitimate winner of the 2020 election, and he did not give a straight answer. Is he an election denier? Is he saying it because he doesn't want to upset Donald Trump, who obviously he needs on side? What's the story behind that? And and what are, what are the... I mean, it's very frustrating, isn't it? Because to have a speaker who gets elected, and ultimately I think Scalise probably will clinch it, but to have an election denier as Speaker of the House is not healthy for US politics, for anybody. Yeah, but no one can get elected Speaker without saying what he said. I mean, yeah. if he came out and said, no, the election wasn't stolen, he could, he wouldn't even be in this position right now. Um, he would not have gotten the nomination. So I think he knows the election was was legit, but he has to say that to have any chance whatsoever. But it's also caused uh, people like Ken Buck, who's a moderate Republican somewhat, to say, well, I'm not voting for him then. I'm not support. I'm not going to support anyone who says the election was stolen. So so he lost he lost at least one vote with that. But but had he not said that he would have lost 50 more for people who don't know. Just tell us who he is, like what his history is, what his politics is. And is he, in your view, a a good candidate for for Speaker of the House? I mean, he's basically McCarthy. That's why I don't really understand this, you know, is because you replace McCarthy with Scalise. Ideologically, they're they're both. I wouldn't say they're he's super far right, but he's pretty far right. He's very conservative from Louisiana um, people will remember he was the one who was shot in the congressional baseball game by the by the extremist there who 
opened fire on the game and he almost died. So he survived that. He's also got cancer. Interestingly enough, that's what Green used as her excuse. Now, I will note that Green tweeted her opposition to Scalise five minutes after the Kinzinger post about Ukraine. I don't know if that led to what Green said, but Green said, you know, Scalise has cancer right now, is undergoing cancer treatment. So she doesn't think he's up to the job. So she's not going to vote for him because he has cancer. <laughs> it's his classic Marge Green, you know? <laughs> yeah. I, I'm not even going to talk about that. It's just, it's just too weird. Um, let's talk about George Santos because you know he is a uh, he's a representative of uh, Queens and um, that kind of area. And more information has been coming out, more indictments suggesting now that he's been stealing credit card details of, of contributors and then then sending himself eight thousand dollars to his personal bank account and. Uh, no, it was actually more than that. It was like $11,000. And he pretended that he had half a million dollars in order to kind of get the nomination in the first place from the GOP. But actually, he only had $8,000 in his bank. The guy is not just a kind of, you know, uh, it's not just identity fraud. I mean, multiple names, multiple characters, multiple faces. But he is also a scammer. He, he is a scammer. He is stealing credit card details and spending that money for his own personal use, allegedly. Now, if the indictments are true, the fact that this guy is still sitting around Congress is just terrifying to me because, you know, anybody else would have been suspended pending the the uh, uh, um, report. But ultimately, they need him for votes, don't they? Yeah. So why you people ask, people might ask, why would somebody claim that they had a hundred, you know, five hundred thousand dollars of their own money in their campaign account when they, when they in fact did not. Yeah. Why, why would somebody do that? And why did no one check? Yeah, well, but what, but what's the purpose? What's the point of putting that out there? The point is, is that if you've been involved in in campaigns, especially Republican campaigns, we have this thing that I used to call the aura of inevitability, which is. Most Republican donors and endorsers, businessmen, people who want something in exchange for their contribution, which is a lot of big donors, yeah. they want the the main criteria they're looking for is not ideology. It's not personality. They want to back the winner. That's all they care about. Who is going to win? I want to be on that team. Yeah. So they're they're looking for the candidate who has that aura of inevitability that they are going to win. So when when somebody like santos has that kind of cash an endorser or another big donor would go oh this this is the guy he's going to win he's got the most money so that that causes other people to get in so so that's why he did that but the other interesting thing is you know there's a movement afoot by the new york republican delegation to oust santos and there's a reason for that the reason for that is because surprisingly i believe it's four republicans were elected in Congress in New York after the that after the redistricting, and I think three of the four at least of those districts were carried by Biden. Those people are all very worried about hanging on to their seats. The last thing they want to do is be associated with Santos, but he's there, and so they're moving now to expel him right now. They're they're bringing forward a motion to expel him from Congress after the latest indictment. And Santos has already thrown out a lifeline to Scalise, basically saying, hey, if you want my vote, you're going to protect me from these guys. So he posted yesterday about supporting Jim Jordan, didn't he, uh, on, yeah. on, on social media? 
And uh, he says, Jim Jordan has my endorsement for House Speaker and then posted a little picture of himself, you know, kind of Congress photograph. Then, of course, Jim Jordan's out of the picture. So he sends this letter which has now been published. Basically, it's a groveling letter, isn't it? And it, it's it's leverage, as you just described. You know, keep me, don't chuck me out, and I'm I'm with you, Scalise. The the bigger problem here is is you know how this looks because corruption, as we know, is rife in politics. But has it ever been as explicit as credit card fraud? I mean, twenty three felonies. This would normally be just an automatic expulsion suspension at the very least censor not not being able to vote at the very least but you know this is a different republican party where where pretty much anything goes i think yeah had had the republicans had a 20 25 seat majority santos might have already been expelled possibly but they need every single vote scalise needs every single vote and this guy santos is a con man and he knows how to leverage people that's what con men do they look for somebody's weakness and they try to exploit it and that's what he's doing now he he went to jordan thinking jordan was probably going to win because he had trump support that didn't pan out now he's trying now he's dang he didn't come out and say okay now i'm going to support scalise he said well i might support you if you protect me yeah it's so interesting, isn't it? Because, you know, Trump is also a con man, right? Trump conned his way into the White House with the support of the Kremlin, as we know now, and, and you know, various other means. But they're, they're kind of the same but different, aren't they? They're, they're, they're two very interesting characters for people who are into the kind of psychology of, and also the, because I think the narcissism goes with the con man thing, doesn't it? And with George Santos, or whatever his real name is, he has just denied everything at every turn. There was one moment where he said, oh, yes, I, I made mistakes, you know, talking about his resume and stuff. But now he's just, he actually, his excuse uh, earlier was that I was in a meeting and I didn't have my phone on, so I don't know about these indictments, right? Like claiming, A, they always have their phones on in these meetings, and B, to pretend that you don't even know because you haven't checked social media is just a joke, right? Yeah, although it's possible he didn't know because they were confiscating their phones when they went into that meeting because they were trying to prevent people from leaking. So who <laughs> who knows whether that's I mean they were they were taking away people's phones like it was seventh grade. Such is know? the trust within the uh, Republican Party. Right. Let's talk about Matt Gates, of course, because you know he was the one that started this whole thing, ousting Kevin McCarthy. Um, tell me about uh, Senator Mullen, because we have a clip uh, of Matt Gates being trashed by him. What's the background on this? Yeah, well, this is basically them cawthorning Matt Gates, and and I think it worked. Um, this is, you know, when I say cawthorn, when uh, to rewind, when Madison Cawthorn made his ill-advised comments during a podcast where he talked about cocaine orgies in the Republican conference, they all turned on him and ousted him. I mean, they all cut off all his funding, yeah. primaried him, trashed him in the media. Yeah. And, uh, and now the truth hurts, Ron. That's yeah. why the, tr and the truth is a does. painful thing to handle. And Gates has more skeletons in his closet than Cawthorn. So, yeah, when Gates ousted McCarthy, some of McCarthy's friends were looking to get revenge. And they kind of, some of them came out and said, look, we know all about your shady past and all the crazy things you've done in the past. So, you know, we could start spilling the tea on some of this stuff if you don't 
quit acting up. And I, and I honestly think that's why Gates is behaving this week and why he's going to back Scalise is because I think he's begged for mercy. He's he's done. He's done fighting these guys because these guys struck back pretty viciously. So Mark Wayne Mullen was an incoming freshman at the same time as Gates. They were in the same freshman class going through freshman orientation. Since that time, Mullen has gotten elected to the Senate, so he's no longer in the House. But this is basically just Mullen letting Gates know, hey, if you keep the, up this nonsense, we're going to keep dribbling out these stories of your your sordid past. The first story he gave uh, to Manu Raju before this clip was he said Gates used to brag about snorting Viagra so he could stay up all night and have sex all night. So that was the clip the day before this one. And then this was the subsequent clip where he talks about Christy Nome and naked pictures. Honestly, there was no colleagues that came out and defended him because, quite frankly, the stuff that he would show on the floor and the stuff he would brag about on the floor before he was married, we probably thought, well, that's 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 reasonable. And we would always have to walk away from him. Uh, and so this individual that you have here, I don't think what he's done is 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 something to be expelled. But this is something that his constituents back in Florida should make a hard look at. I mean, there was many times that he would go out on on news programs in the evening and he would tell me personally, hey, I've got to go sell my constituent catheters because all he was doing was selling himself. And evidently his constituent base is, is an older base. And that he thought that was funny to me. That's not funny to take your job and make it serious. Do what's right by it and serve. This isn't a this isn't an opportunity for you just to have a an opportunity to promote yourself, which that was what Matt Gates' goals was. And so now that he wasn't relevant before Speaker McCarthy, the Speaker McCarthy uh, opposing him has made him um, uh, a credible candidate somehow and allowed him to get uh, get all the attention that he was seeking beforehand. And he's going to continue to do this, even if it's the next speaker, because he has to seek that yeah. that attention. I mean, remember what I said, Emma, this is retail politics. This has nothing to do with policy or principle any, uh, anymore. Well, just jumping in really quickly, uh, those accusations I know you brought up earlier, just uh, those are allegations. They were never proven. And again, that Congressman Gates has with, denied with, those. I, I will say that you're 100 percent right. He's denied those right. and, and it went away. But right. the other part of what I'm saying about the individual, those aren't allegations. That's firsthand that he told me that we dealt with on the floor. The first time I ever met this guy, he walked up to me and Christy Nome at the time was at the podium. He was speaker or he was elected at the time. He was a member elect. So we was going through conference and orientation. And he walked up to me as Christy Nome, now Governor Christy Nome. And she, he said, man, she's a fine. And you can put the B word in place there. And I looked at him. I said, really? Because Christy is a very close friend of mine. And he turned around and walked away. Later, I will say he came up and apologized for that. But he still shouldn't have said it. It was completely out of line. And this is the type of individual Matt Gates is. Clearly not a fan. <laughs> Clearly not a fan. Um, yeah, Matt Gates is a pretty disgusting person, isn't he? But, and I said this, I think, in a previous episode, he has got better at, you know, presenting himself on the House floor. You know, he, he is charismatic and eloquent and tragically in politics that does go a long way yeah and he's also gotten married i think that's kind of helped calm him down somewhat i guess you could say the first part of that where he's talking about pictures that's an old story about gates where he was very well known for he liked to walk up to people in congress and show naked pictures of women that he had slept with and brag about his conquests over the weekend and this kind of rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. So Gates was already known for doing that. So Mullen confirmed that story. And then 
added in the Christy Gnome story. Uh, so yeah, he's he's a real he's a real winner. So weird. These people are so weird. Uh, let's talk about uh, another favorite weirdo of the GOP, and that is Jim Jordan. And uh, you know, th- there is a very serious story that kind of under underpins Jim Jordan's entire existence, and that is this sex abuse cover up that happened while he was a, a, a coach, right? So just tell us about this before we play the uh, clip of um, uh, the kind of critique of him. Yeah, so after Trump endorsed him for speaker, I, I did the story on the Midas Touch website about um, about this, uh, just refreshing what this is all about. So Jim Jordan, after he finished college and everything, he was a wrestling coach at Ohio State. Assistant, He was the number two guy. He was assistant. Um, to the head coach for almost 20 years, um, uh, all throughout the 80s and 90s, and before he got elected to Congress. And at that time, the team doctor, as well as other other things, not just the team doctor, there was a, a culture. I think one of the one of the wrestlers called it a cesspool of depravity yeah. around sexual harassment, touching, fondling of male wrestlers by other male wrestlers, by the team doctor, etc multiple wrestlers there was 177 total that alleged that they were molested in some way um so jim jordan claims he knew none of this so 177 wrestlers under his care were molested and he said he didn't know any about any of it at least six of them have come forward publicly and said that they went to him and he covered it up or acted like he didn't want to know about it, et cetera, et cetera. Because if Jim Jordan had stepped in, he could have stopped it at any time. That's the point, but he didn't, he just let it continue to go on. So the clip you're going to see here is the fact that, and this happens a lot in these cases, people do not come forward, especially a situation like this, where it's young men who are wrestlers, the macho, they don't want to admit that they were molested. Right. So they keep it covered and hidden and so when these guys finally all came forward it was too late the statute of limitations had passed to sue the school the doctor had committed suicide so what they were doing is they were begging the ohio legislature to extend the statute of limitations to let them file suit and and so this is the captain of the wrestling team talking about the reason why we didn't this wasn't come forward earlier is because of jim jordan making us cover this up This is disgusting. You people have the power to do something. Ohio State is too arrogant. They think it's going to go away. Jim Jordan called me crying. Crying. Groveling. On the 4th of July. Begging me to go against my brother. Begging me, crying for a half hour. That's the kind of cover-ups that's going on there. Now, you guys can sit and act like it's not going on, but I I got a, a lot of other stuff here. Emails that were taken out of my mailbox. That's a crime. The other thing I should say is that, you know, I watch a lot of Jim Jordan because he, you know, chairs committees and he's a very outspoken, uh, you know, member of the House. And he really is 
a terrible person. The way he frames things, he gaslights, he lies. It's, it's just so frustrating to see somebody who obviously has this past won't engage in any communication or conversation whenever he's asked about this. He just shuts it all down. But he really is a, a terrible person. You know, one of the things that always bothers me the most about him is how he condescends to voters, to, to people. Yeah. He really, if you follow his Twitter account, as I do every day, or listen to him speak, he really talks to people as if they are uh, have an IQ of 90 and are uneducated and don't know. I mean, and and he talks about the fact that he has the hillbilly vote. He used that word hillbilly. So he really, you could tell he really believes in his mind that that's what his constituents are. His constituents are uneducated. They're not very smart. They're easy to manipulate. And that's how he talks to them. And that's how he treats them. And in his heavily gerrymandered district through rural Ohio, he's able to get elected that way. I mean, I think he probably has an IQ of 90, you know, because I do think that this happens a lot, this kind of Dunning-Kruger syndrome, you know, where you kind of, you have all the confidence and you think you're an expert and you shout stuff really loud, but there is absolutely no depth or intellect behind the statements that you make. And, and you know, I agree with you. He does completely talk down to people, but I just don't know that... If I, you know, got him in a room and just sat quietly and talked to him, I don't think he knows how to talk any other way. No, I, I don't think I'm going to say his IQ is 100 and and he 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 acts like that's why he acts like he's smarter than the other people, because he thinks yeah. they're at 90. He's got he's got 10 points. <laughs> over. He's, his like, he's like the guy who's like the assistant manager or the 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 friolator supervisor at McDonald's and you're like the new employee and he's like acting like he know, he's so much smarter than you because yeah. he's worked there for six months yeah. and knows how to work the fryer. That's Jim Jordan. But that's know? the job he should have had, right? That's the job he should have stuck with, not being the <laughs> chair of committees, you know? Right, wrestling coach, right? Indeed. Um, let's talk about the... Uh, I want to talk about Elon Musk and, and talk about this kind of misinformation, specifically about the, the war between Hamas and, and Israel. Because, you know, this is... Obviously, let's just wind back a little bit, right? In my view, and most of the people that I've kind of interviewed and, and talked to, Elon Musk bought Twitter for $44 billion. It was a year ago now. It's not worth even a third or maybe a quarter of that, right, now. He bought it, in my view, to silence, you know, the political discourse, to provide a kind of one-sided view of the world. And he has succeeded. In that pretty much you know he is a far-right in my view russian operative you know a lot of the stuff that he puts out there is very much aligned with what vladimir putin would would like said and i just think that this is more of the same you know more more of this shift to try and brainwash people through social media you know we saw it in previous elections with cambridge analytica and everything else social media really is a way to manipulate the people and he is doing that just tell me, I'll put it up on the screen, but just tell me about these posts that have been appearing. Because, of course, he got rid of all of the monitoring. You know, he fired hundreds of people whose job it was to sift through the misinformation and, and you know, deal with complaints and inquiries. I mean, this is really bad, isn't it? There's so many different theories on Musk out there, you know, from all different sides. 
uh, as far as what his motives are and what he's really trying to do. I try and keep up with all of them. They're all equally plausible. Yeah. I think I think it's really, really difficult to kind of say for sure what his agenda is. Um, but I can run through a few of them. So basically, this is the account when the when we all woke up, what was it, Saturday morning to the news that Hamas had done this. Uh, this was his post, which was, hey, everybody needs to follow this war monitor account. They, they, they have really good, accurate information on what's going on in Israel. Then we look into this war monitor account, and it's just a blatant anti-Semitic. It's got all, if you just search Jew or Jews on that page, you're going to find hundreds of anti-Semitic posts just like that one. And so there was this huge, I mean, obviously you've got Elon Musk now telling 159 million people all around the world to follow an anti-Semitic account for news on what's going on in Israel. Yeah, I mean, it's just outrageous what, what this is. And so, you know, he gets this huge black backlash. Six months, six hours later, he deletes that tweet, but the damage has already been done. And, and not only that, when he deletes this stuff, just as he did with Pelosi, Paul Pelosi, where he accused him of being, you know, having a, a the gay prostitute that was his assailant. Yeah. He just deleted it. He never apologized. He never said I was wrong. I was mistaken. No, he just quietly deletes it and goes on to the next. Because he wants it out there, Ron. This is the thing. He knows that he's probably going to have to delete it. But he knows that in the few hours before he deletes it, that it's it's already ricocheting around the Internet. And maybe if you if you I mean, if you think that he's doing it intentionally, I mean, I think that part of it is intentional, but I also think part of it is. He just thinks he knows everything and just sticks his fingers in so many different pies and that half the time he goes off half cocked and just believes stuff. I mean, I think that that's part of it. I also think there's an intentional element to it, too. But, you know, he didn't go back on and say, don't follow these people, unfollow them. I found out who, who they really are. Don't. But is that no, not enough for that. you to know that he did it intentionally? You know, the fact that he doesn't apologize, in my view... Yeah, you're probably right. ...is the reason why he, he, he won't apologize. He is absolutely down for this. And this is why... And I keep saying it's in my opinion, because it is. You know, I'm not trying to state fact. But everything that he has done, to me, has a, a connection back to the Kremlin and the way the Kremlin operates. And if you haven't worked out yet about the war in, in with, with uh, Hamas... And Hezbollah now wanting to kind of join and Iran is behind Hezbollah and who is funding Iran? It's Russia. And so a lot of these stories lead back to the Kremlin. And, you know, this is what is so unfortunate is that whilst it might look like a war happening over there, it's actual information warfare that is happening everywhere. You know, a lot of scholars are even claiming that these... um, uh, destabilization of the Middle East is down to Donald Trump. And I'm actually working on a video for Midas Touch at the moment, which we haven't put out yet, which kind of explains this history of, of these kind of fake peace treaties that he created, the, the Abraham Accords. Yeah. Um, I mean, if you look into them, they don't mention Palestine or the Palestinians no. or anything. They're these between were countries that were never in conflict with each other. Never in conflict. Bahrain, right. the United Arab Emirates. Yeah. It, it, it was ridiculous. It was a photo op. And because Donald Trump, who's on the far right, is really good friends or created a friendship with Benjamin Netanyahu, who is also on the far right, 
He invited him to be involved in these, in these photo ops. And Donald Trump now is, of course, using his fake peace treaties to say, well, I, during my tenure, there was no conflict in the Middle East because I did the Abraham Accords. Of course, the architect of those was his son-in-law, Jared Kushner, who walked away with $2 billion from Saudi Arabia. I mean, it, the whole thing stinks, Ron. It stinks. Well, he also said he should have gotten the Nobel Peace Prize for that. So, <laughs> but to go back to Musk, because I think it's important, there's three, it's three different sort of camps here as far as what Musk is right. up to. So if you listen to Musk himself, this is what he would say. What he would say is the media has controlled, mainstream media has controlled the narrative, set the agenda. They're all biased. They're all left wing. And I want to destroy that culture. I want to destroy mainstream media and have an open source platform with citizen journalists yeah. who post their stuff, whether it's accurate, not accurate, left, right, doesn't matter. Let the consumer sort through it and decide what they want to believe. That's what he claims he is doing. Okay. That's number one. Number two, the second theory is that he really did buy the platform to create a sort of Amazon on steroids to get everybody's data, to get everybody's financial information, credit card information. And he wants to create this massive one-stop shopping thing, which will include AI, crypto, create maybe his own currency, his X currency. So I've he's talked about that as well. And that's a, another theory. And then the third theory is sort of along the lines of what you said, that he's basically just a right-wing op and just a chaos agent yeah. who's doing the bidding of foreign actors. But if you listen to his interviews where, you know, he talks candidly, he, you know, it's, it's, it's difficult, isn't it? Because in order to be a genius, like a business genius, and then you could argue that Trump's very good at this branding. I mean, you know, Elon Musk has basically conquered the space race. He's made electric cars mainstream. He's working on, you know, solar energy. He's doing kind of brain implants. I mean, it's genius. But the reason that he's able to do these things is because he doesn't have an off switch. You know, there's, there's no there's no kind of um, moral compass that goes, well, you know, I don't know. Or there's no self-doubt, you know, and that's what pushes these types of evil geniuses to be successful is that kind of total lack of self-doubt that keeps the rest of us, you know, <laughs> safe and at home. And so my fear is that if he was going to do those things that you said first, right, which is about creating a currency and, and turning it into a, an Amazon type thing, he would have done it before he ruined the platform, right? He has ruined the platform. People are leaving in droves. It has, it's, it's, it's worth a third of what it was before. He would have done all that stuff first. I don't think he has the ability to do that. I don't actually think that... You've got to remember, you know, he didn't create Tesla. He bought Tesla. Tesla was an existing right. company. Yeah. SpaceX, these companies were all already existing. He hasn't had an original thought. And, and I think that's something to bear in mind. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay, listen, we have to take a break, but we're going to come back. And uh, I want to talk about Donald Trump and his rallies and the, uh, the Christian nationalist pastors who are blessing the rally before it happens amongst other things so there's lots to get through we're back with ron philipkowski and more from uncovered in just a moment 
Did you know that your temperature at night can have one of the greatest impacts on your sleep quality? If you wake up too hot or too cold, I highly recommend you check out Miracle Maid's bed sheets. Inspired by NASA, Miracle Maid uses silver-infused fabrics that makes temperature-regulating bedding so you can sleep at the perfect temperature all night long. Did you know that traditional bedsheets can harbour more bacteria than a toilet seat? It can lead to acne, allergies and stuffy noses. It's just gross. Miracle Made offers a whole line of self-cleaning, eco-friendly bedding such as sheets, pillowcases and comforters that prevent 99% of bacteria and require three times less laundry. Miracle sheets are luxuriously comfortable without the high price tag of other luxury brands and feel as nice, if not nicer, than bedsheets used by some five-star hotels. Stop sleeping on bacteria. Bacteria can clog your pores, causing breakouts. Sleep clean with Miracle. Go to trymiracle.com slash uncovered to try Miracle Made Sheets today. And whether you're buying them for yourself or as a gift for a loved one, if you order today, you can save over 40%. And if you use our promo code uncovered at checkout, you'll get three free towels and save an extra 20%. Miracle is so confident in their product, it's backed by a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you aren't 100% satisfied, you'll get a full refund. Upgrade your sleep with Miracle Made. Go to trymiracle.com slash uncovered and use the code uncovered to claim your free three-piece towel set and save over 40%. Again, that's trymiracle.com slash uncovered to treat yourself. Thank you, Miracle Made, for sponsoring this episode. It's uh, 4.37 on the East Coast, and uh, welcome to Uncovered. I'm Anthony Davis, and he's Ron Filipkowski. Let's just go to the uh, Trump rallies for a moment, because, you know, Trump really is in full electioneering mode. He thinks he's got this in the bag. <laughs> he's, he's praying that these, you know, the timing of these court appearances, he's using the fact that he can't be in two places at any one time as a reason to try and delay his cases, but that hasn't really happened. Just tell us about, actually about that before we look at this these rallies. Just tell us a little bit about the 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 denies or the denial of these kind of delay tactics that he's been pushing. Oh yeah, well, perfect example of that was this week um, when he, you know, was supposed to be. So what was he supposed to be doing? What, what did he say he was going to do this week? He said he was going to be attending his trial in New York, yeah. his New York fraud trial, which is ongoing. He used that as an excuse why he couldn't show up in the Michael Cohen deposition. So he files a lawsuit against Cohen. First thing Cohen does is schedule Donald Trump for a deposition. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe Trump didn't count on that, but he did. And so and so he used that as an excuse to get out of attending the deposition. Then he skips out in the middle of his trial three, day, three days into it and leaves. Then Cohen runs back to the judge and says, he lied to you, judge. So... You know, then he's out doing a rally, you know, when he's supposed to be the day of his deposition. So he's and then he was also supposed to be flying to D.C. to mediate the speaker thing. So he's constantly coming up with all these things that he's supposed to be doing. And then he cancels them or or changes his mind. And so, yes, what he's doing is and and his lawyers are filing all these motions and all these cases to delay things as long as they possibly can. They if the judge gives him a deadline of, you know, midnight tomorrow. They wait until 1159 to respond because they're just doing everything that they can to drag their feet on all of this stuff because 
really his plan is to win the election and be immune from prosecution and pardon himself. And uh, so when he talks, it's funny when he he talks a lot about this is absolutely the most important election in history. What he's saying is for me, (laughs) if I don't win this election, I'm going to prison. That's that's what basically what he's saying. But but I think he could be going to jail before the election. And the delay tactics is something that I've said when we've talked before about because, you know, I keep reminding people that he could win. He still could win the election. And I think it would be foolish for people to think that because of all of these legal issues and because of not even polling, but just, you know, the, the, the insurrection or the theft of documents, you know, big stuff. He still is the leading GOP candidate and he still has a good chance of, of, of winning. You know, and if, if, the, if the vote goes Republican, then he's going to be the guy, whether he's in prison or not. And I think to take for granted that actually Joe Biden or uh, another Democrat candidate has it in the bag would be foolish um, and naive at this stage. But he is desperate, right? And, and I think that desperate people do desperate things and desperate measures. And I think that any of his lawyers will be taking direction from him that they might disagree with. But these delay tactics, they could work. Uh, And I've also had the belief, too, that there's going to be some things and I've said this before on this show. There's going to be some things that are going to come out in these trials that none of us know about that are going to really be damaging to Trump. And that's why I want these hearings to happen before the election, because I think the American people, when they hear some of this stuff and Jack Smith hinted at this this week in the documents case. That's right. Where he told the, 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 the nuclear story. He, he well, even even more than that, he he told the judge that he is prepared to prove something that we don't know, which is he is prepared to prove what Trump intended to do with these documents. He apparently has a witness or witnesses who have knowledge or he has either emails, phone calls. He has something that he says will show what Donald because we don't really know what Trump intended to do with this stuff yeah. was he using it as mementos to show off to show people but what what jack smith has suggested is that no there is a very sinister motive that trump had to hang on to this stuff and he is prepared to prove that in court so if it's something like trump in an email or a phone call or something uh threatening or offering to share these or sell these to some other entity or a foreign entity. It's game set and match for him, man. It's all over. Yeah. And, and, you know, I mentioned earlier about tracing this, this uh, Hamas attack on, on uh, Gaza as a, uh, you know, leaders following those breadcrumbs back to Donald Trump. Well, the sharing of classified intelligence to Russian officials in the White House is the thing that I was mentioning, which is now coming under scrutiny amid this Hamas Islamist military, you know, um, fight against Israel. It was May 2017. Former president defended his actions after he was found to have discussed sensitive details about an alleged Islamic state plot, ISIS, with Russian Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov, and uh, and the other guy, the ambassador, in the Oval Office, there's those famous photographs of them, like laughing and joking. Trump said he had an absolute right to do so. And, I mean, this is now 
again, you know, because I, I was trying to explain how you can connect this current war with with Russian intentions. Donald Trump has destabilized the entire Middle East, right? And former Soviet Union, Ukraine, with all of his actions. People would be foolish to think that because there was no military action whilst he was president, that he's a peacemaker. He but is the are. opposite of a but, peacemaker. But that's the easiest messaging in the world to demagogue for him. And that's yeah. what he's doing every day, yeah. which is it's it's very simple. Yes, you and I, if thinkers can look through this and go, he set the stage for the Russian invasion of Ukraine. Yeah. He set the stage for what is happening in Israel with yeah. what he did. And these things do take time. They don't happen overnight yeah. when you set set things up. But his messaging is quite simple, which is, hey, none of this happened when I was president. It's happening now. What does that tell you? Right. And that's a message that resonates with low information voters. I mean, even, you know, the, the, the Iran connection, because, of course, do you remember there was that uh, classified document about a potential attack on Iran that, you know, America was not considering, but it had to have a plan in place yep. just in case. Well, of course, Iran is funding Hezbollah and f funding Hamas. I mean, any of these things can be traced back to Donald Trump if you, you know, you and I are not qualified to do so, but a plenty of people in the coming weeks and months and years will do. And I, like you, am fascinated with what Jack Smith the, has up his sleeve. The document that he is on tape talking about with his, uh, with Liz Harrington and his yeah. other person was about Iran. Yeah, I know. You know? And then he tried to say, oh, it was a newspaper, and then it turned out it wasn't a newspaper. I mean, it's like, he is not, apart from eating classified documents or flushing documents down the toilet, he is not very good at destroying evidence, as we've seen from the photographs of the bathroom at Mar-a-Lago and on the stage at Mar-a-Lago and various other places. I mean, I, like you, think that Jack Smith, who, to all intents and purposes, is, is no fool. I mean, he has been on this at every stage. It's often the case that they are hanging on to the, the juiciest parts of the, of the evidence that they have. He's hanging on to, to strike at the right moment. Yep. And it's going to come out in the spring. Um, I, you know, a Aileen Cannon is, is already signaling she's going to delay this for him. And we, I have no faith in her. And But at least one of those trials, the one with Judge Chutkan, is coming up, you know, in March. And she's not going to postpone mm -hmm. that. And by the way, the hearing on that gag order is coming up on Monday uh, yes. with, with on that case as well. Yeah. OK, so let's go back to the rallies, which he's still doing. And he does seem to have like a new lease of life. I don't know, maybe he's kind of drinking a new elixir or something. But, you know, he is on it because I actually watched a, a rally in in full the other day. And he was on stage talking for over three hours, Ron, over three hours of stand up comedy without, you know, taking a two glass, two hand glass of water. Uh, I want to show what happened before Trump got on the stage. It was with this pastor, this Christian nationalist who got up and setting the tone for the rise of Christian nationalism amongst Trump supporters, if they're not already there. We pray that you will impart wisdom to our president as he goes forth to stand in our place. We ask that those who stand against him would be put to silence that those horrendous actions against him and his family would be exposed and struck down. 
When we leave this place, give us the courage to say no to evil. Give us the victory over addictions and vices that harm us and our families. And give us the courage to stand with President Trump in the caucuses and in the election to come. We ask for your guidance, wisdom, and power in Jesus' almighty and all-powerful name. Amen. They're trying to position him as the as the second coming, right? This is really how it is now. That that in order because the stakes are so high, as you said earlier about he needs to pardon himself or he needs the immunity of the presidency, they are going all out on let's just get this guy elected because you know he is our savior. And let me just play the clip of the Trump supporter channeling God through Donald Trump. It is President Trump works for God. And God is all about America. And God is the one that's going to save America. But actually, he's using President Trump as one of his tools. So that's why we support President Trump, because he works for God. Amen. 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 I mean, this stuff is bonkers. It's bonkers, Ron. And yet, to them, it's completely normal. Those two clips were an hour apart. Same place, you know. um, I I always the the Trump rallies all have a, the same format, which is first you start out with a local pastor from the area who gets up and gives the prayer. Then they have somebody else come up and do the Pledge of Allegiance. Then they have somebody sing the national anthem. Then they go into local officials, state officials, a headliner, and then Trump. So it's the same format every time. And then Trump so, for three hours, Ron. I mean, that's two, the, two to I three hours. How and, long and, are people and, there for? Five hours. Uh, oh no, much longer than that because there there are people who camp out overnight to get front front row seats. There are people who camp out two or three days ahead of time uh, in tents uh, at the at the venues. Um, so yeah, people typically there's typically at least half the people who are going to be there are there five to six hours before the doors open in line, and then yeah, so it's a it's a whole day affair. It's it's a multi day affair. So, yeah, it's very they're very fanatical. It's like the Grateful Dead, but a bad Grateful Dead. Right. So evil Grateful Dead. But, you know, I always watch the opening prayers because it's very interesting to me, the messaging that goes out in these prayers. And this is the messaging that Trump is the Messiah. Trump has been chosen by God, that the United States is besieged by these evil globalist forces and Satan is behind them. And Trump is the chosen one who is going to save us. So it's not politics. It's biblical. It's 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 a Christian. This is this is why they say, well, Christian nationalism, what's so bad about it? This is what's so bad about it. It's it's and and the idea that they could take choose this man who is the most ungodly, the most unchristian person on the planet and, you know, think that God is working through him. And it's also why I oppose people like Julie Green and other people is I'm showing Michael Flynn. I'm showing that this is the Christian nationalist Trumpian. It's weaved throughout the whole MAGA movement. And the, and these are vulnerable people who have been radicalized, you know, yep. because it would be easy to say, oh, they're just dumb or they're stupid or they're just having... It's not that. These are, these are vulnerable people who are literally hanging their hat on him being their savior. Yep. Uh, you know, they, they, need, they need better jobs they need, or some jobs. They need something to do. And they think they've been brainwashed into thinking that he is their solution. And, and, the, and the tragedy is it's the opposite. And when he says, 
only I can save you. Only yes. I, I'm the only one who can do it. And, th- and they echo this. And this is part of the Messiah complex, which is he is the chosen one, just like Jesus. Only through me can you come to heaven is That's in the right. Bible, right? Yeah. That's what they're saying. Only through Trump can the U.S. be saved. And and, and Trump was interviewed uh, the other day and he said he was on the golf course. And, and a guy was who's a, he said he's an OK golfer who's saying you're more famous than Jesus. Yep. And he was like, oh, you know, I, I, I don't know about that. But, you know, yeah, he's kind of right. It's so weird the way Trump tells these fake stories about people that he's met, who it's clearly like something he's come up with. Because I can see it the way he, when he talks, you know, the, the kind of narcissistic aspect of this. He's trying to work out a narrative for getting to the point where he says he is more famous than Jesus. Exactly. Right? In fact, you can see his always his first reaction when somebody asks a question like that yeah. is, is to recoil a little bit and to say, how dare you say that Jesus is more famous than right. me? You know, <laughs> I mean, you know, he is probably the most corrupt, compromised and terrible person ever to walk the planet. And yet somehow he got elected president and he's running again. I mean, it's, it's he is a anybody that has the gall. I mean, I'm not a religious person, but I still respect the fact that people care about Jesus. Right. He doesn't. He does not care. Not at all. He wants to put himself at the at the very pinnacle of of the the planet. You know, he thinks he is the creator. You know, there's been some of the more highly publicized incidents where, like, he was asked to name his fable, famous Bible verse, right, and he yeah. mentioned two Corinthians, and or when he talked he about said it's too personal. He says it's a very personal, too personal. Yeah. yeah. One of my funniest ones was kind of a more obscure moment where he called into Pastors for Trump. He called into a Pastors for Trump event last year and they said they said, "Well, we want we haven't done our opening prayer yet." So this was a different script. And they said, "We would like to do and we would like to pray with you and do an opening prayer. Why don't you suggest your favorite prayer?" Or your favorite, you know, passage, and we will, um, we'll say the prayer that you would like us to say. Yes. Right? And Trump immediately was like, "Hello, <laughs> are you there? I can't hear you." Like he, he acted yeah. like he, yeah. he, he lost like the, the line. The line had gone. Yeah, the line. I can't. Are you still there? <laughs> that was one of my favorite Trump clips. So, so here's we're going to show a clip from the rally in Ohio where he 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 basically is it or Iowa was it Iowa? He um, Iowa. Yeah, he. For some reason, you know, he watches the television. He sees a clip of Joe Biden on the beach, right, where he takes the afternoon off and he's sitting there and, you know, Biden's slim and fit and, yeah, Buddy is 80. And he's and Trump somehow manages to address this and claim that Biden has a terrible body and it's a terrible marketing exercise to put your nude body out there. But Trump has a better body, but he wouldn't put it out there because no one deserves to see it. I'll let I'll let Donald Trump explain. But this I I just couldn't even believe it was a thing. Here it is. He's got a consultant somewhere. This is the worst consultant in politics that thinks he looks good in a bathing suit. Right (laughs) now, he he spends so much time at the beach. You know, how do you do that? And, you know, I have a much better body than him. But I'm not really sure that I want to expose it with the sun blaring down and the sand, the surf, the wind, you know. I mean, you know, it's not a pretty sight. 
I mean, the whole conversation is not a pretty sight. You know, a lot of the MAGA people responded to that post of mine uh, saying that, uh, well, he he was just joking around. You don't take him seriously. He's not joking. Okay, first yeah. of all, he's not joking. No. I mean, he's trying to create this. He, he, he thinks that they think that he does have a great body because of the depictions that they have of him. Now, keep in mind, Trump has never once in his life appeared in public with his shirt off. Yeah. Never. No. Never once appeared in public with a T-shirt on. Thank okay, even the Lord. Never, yeah. never, ever in all of the the most famous person in the world, public figure, fifty right. years, not once. And there's P a reason. A polo for it. shirt, maybe, and and often That's he wears far. like a like a undershirt as well. Yeah, but he, he and he lives at a golf resort with a huge pool area, you know. And he's and he walks around the pool area, but he's never been in the pool because. <laughs> He's so um, insecure yeah. and vain, and he knows that he looks terrible without his shirt on. And he wears a girdle, and doesn't so, he? I mean, when wears, you see him wears in a, a suit, girdle, wears a girdle, and he has lifts in his shoes, right? <laughs> Makeup. He's yeah. had five hair transplants. Right, hence the um, uh, the the crossover. Because you posted a video, which I watched the other day, of a, of a, of a plastic surgeon describing, because as a bald man, you know, I, I'm very interested in this, and I'm sure you are too. But... The, the the surgeon described these surgeries that he's had, the, the flaps of skin to move follicles across, and this is why he has to do the bird's nest. But, I mean, it blew my mind, and I was like, this is not a well man, someone who puts himself through this. And then that famous photograph of him where the wind's blowing and the bouffant goes up, and you see this orange circle. I mean... I don't Anthony, know. I'm that's sorry why for Melania. People, that's why people follow me, though. And where else are you going to get yeah. a plastic, sur a hair transplant surgeon outlining Trump's 30 year history of work on his? But hair. it was 20 minutes long, Ron, and I watched it all was. of it. It was. <laughs> I only posted like a minute of it, but you're right. He did a whole thing on did it. Did a whole a whole thing. Um, okay, let's talk about uh, Mike Flynn because this kind of just plays on with the Christian nationalism, doesn't it? And 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 Mike Flynn oh, yeah. is now associating himself with some of the weirdest people. Yeah, well, Flynn's been doing this for a while. Uh, his his version of Christianity is very strange and very dark. He he grew up his his mom was way way out there, very fanatical. Uh, very huge in the pro-life movement in the Northeast and Rhode Island. She let's let's call it anti-abortion. He would do pro, missions pro, overseas and all of that stuff. Let's call it let's um, call it anti-abortion and not pro-life because that's us just okay. Well, yeah, being okay. part of their marketing exercise. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, very forced birth, let's say. <laughs> right. But she was very big in in that movement, and he grew up. I mean, as a young boy being brought to all these events by his mom, yeah. which were very way out there Christian events. So yeah. I don't think, again, I don't think um, Flynn is particularly that devout, um, but I think that he he pretends to and he and he conflates his version of Christianity with a lot of weird stuff that's out there, QAnon type stuff. Yeah. A lot of people have speculated. There's a few people on Twitter who say he is Q and he has been Q for many years. I don't necessarily agree with that, but there's that theory out there where he's mixing in religion. So now he's he's hooked up with these <laughs> these groups of these rappers and they did like a we are the world type song um, where it's basically like a pro Trump, pro Trump song, pro MAGA song. And it's just. Very cringy. 
Okay, and, and I would just caveat this before I show it that my concern is that for as weird and cringing all this stuff is, that Democrats don't seem to have an equivalent to this in mm-hmm. terms of like the political marketing machine, and and it's not that I want you know Kamala Harris to be in a in a in a kind of pop group, but I do recognise that there are so many initiatives on the right to kind of bring around about the spreading of information whether it be true or not and and, and that for me is kind of concerning because this is a very polished video anyway here it is you can take all our money but you can't have our soul you could burn down our buildings and we'll still find our home we will all stick together and we'll never surrender the shores of California all the way down to the Keys Only he will bring us closer when we fall to our knees And he'll lift us from the ground The auto-tune I didn't notice that before the auto-tune on Mike Flynn's voice he sounds like Cher Flynn needed it (laughs) He's He's got the tenor going there So, I mean, look Trump under the Trump campaign and Trump understands that they have lost a lot of educated suburban voters, especially women over the last four or five years. And those voters needed to be replaced in their coalition. And they believe that the key to that really is black voters, some black, particularly black male voters and Latino voters. And so this, what you're seeing there is part of that. They're doing a lot of this stuff with, rappers musicians ufc's boxers athletes where they're really making a play for the black and latino vote to replace a lot of the uh, you know white college educated voters that they've lost yeah and that's this is part of it and you know this word freedom is the one that frustrates me the most especially as a kind of european now living in the u.s and kind of looking at this kind of landscape and you know america is a is a free country and there is nothing that democrats have ever done that takes away your freedom ever and yet the freedom word has been radicalized or weaponized i should say and used against people and it's so sad because it is blatantly untrue and you're actually less free in states like florida than you are in in dem states like california mostly what their argument is the covid restrictions and the the vaccine mandates and the mask mandates although that stuff was like two years old i mean but they're they're still going back to the well but there's gonna be there's gonna be more pandemics i mean i heard trump earlier saying that you know they're trying to say that covid is on the rise again and the reason they're doing that is so that there can be more drop boxes for voting and that they're trying to rig the election by claiming that covid is on the rise and it's like popular wow, conspiracy. Yep. This is this is a serious conspiracy. And I and I actually think that they're all gonna get behind that one and and really kind of go pushing that. And there's because he claims that they're just trying to imprison him so he can't run. And and, and that story to the untrained eye kind of looks accurate. Yeah. And that, that's definitely um that's definitely out there. They talk about that all the time that yes they're gonna that because the, the theory is that the 2020 election was stolen because of the covid 
loosening up the rules on voting, allowing more mail-in yeah. voting, extending hours to spray, spread people out, that yeah. that's the reason why Trump lost. And and so, yes, their theory is that Democrats are plotting to to do that again. And and we should just remind people that the reason that the GOP don't want more people to vote is the more people that vote, the less chance they have of winning because right. the country is actually a progressive country, that the majority of people in this country have more, even if they might not know it, they actually have more liberal leanings than the GOP would have you think. And in, in most other civilized countries, mail-in voting is normal, early voting is normal, proxy voting is normal, and, the, and also having polling places on every corner there should be. Not like in some states, Kentucky and other places, where you've got you to drive like 30 miles to get to a polling place. It, yeah. It's jokes. Well, that's because the polls all show that Election Day voting favors Republicans. There, there's a reason why, because, you know, if you restricted voting to one day, nine to five or nine to seven or whatever, a lot of people who work hard jobs, work nine to five, working class people, younger people are not going to do it. Yeah. Even if it's open for a couple hours after they get home from work, they got to feed the kids, they got to make yeah. dinner, they're tired. Uh, you know, I just won't go. Yeah. So the harder you make, so what you're going to end up with is mostly retirees and old people if you just have a limited number of voting. And those people overwhelmingly favor Republicans. So so that's why they want to restrict voting. Yeah, and, and actually, there's a lot of call. It's happened in the UK because in the UK, the polls close at 10 p.m. and it's not really late enough because these days people work in all sorts of jobs, driving Uber, doing you know multiple jobs to make a living. And so it's just not as convenient as it was the Industrial Revolution when people worked nine to five. Um, so there is a kind of push to do that. But what I was getting to is that to make it a public holiday, and this is something I really advocate for, you know, the, the idea that voting day should be a public holiday and all businesses should just let their employees go vote and take the day off. And I mean, to me, that's just obvious, an obvious way to support democracy. And yet it's never going to get a look in in this country. Republicans will always oppose that. Yeah. And they'll 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 use the excuse of, well, it's going to hurt business. You know, it's going to hurt yeah. the economy. Yeah. 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 I, you know, I, sometimes I despair, Ron. You know, I really do. And you were a member of that party. You know, shame on you. I mean, yes, I'm, no, that's why I, that's why I know all this stuff. I know. You know? I know. I mean, it's, it's very helpful. I know. I know all the I know all the tricks. You certainly do. Okay, tell us about uh, Tommy Tuberville, because, you know, he's uh, someone who kind of crops up a lot in this show. Um, but he is actually responsible for, I mean, you could even connect him to kind of military situations going on at the moment. Just explain about him kind of withholding votes um, and why he is, you know, causing so many problems right now. Yeah, well, I mean, the story that I just did was about him that was about this. So Michael Hayden is the former um, national security advisor to the president and former CIA director. <laughs> so Natalie Jacoby uh, posted, you know, it was just a random Twitter person. Should Tommy Tuberville be removed from his committee? She's talking about the armed services committee because of his withholding the promotions. So Hayden jokes, uh, well, how about removing him from the human race? And, and what Hayden has said after the fact was what he was saying is, you know, Hey, I wish Tuberville had never been born, you know, basically is what he's saying. But the way that was interpreted by Tuberville and by 
right wingers was that was a death threat. And he's putting a target on him saying, why doesn't somebody eliminate him from the human race? And from that coming from a CIA director makes it even more sinister. And of course sets the QAnon people on fire. So it was sort of like, I was monitoring that all day as like right wingers were absolutely going after Hayden. And then at the end of the day yesterday, I find out that Tuberville had filed a police report with the Capitol police accusing him of committing a crime uh, uh, by with that social media post that he that he was threatening a United States senator. So, um, you know, Hayden said he was just joking around. So apparently that's like a pending criminal investigation. So, you know, look, I've had people tweet. 25 worst things about me every single day you know so i mean the fact that he's such a snowflake and has such thin skin is laughable but there is a serious side to you know what he's up to at the moment and um, just tell us like why he is being a stick in the mud over over these votes yeah well his main issue is the department of defense policy which uh, says that if you are a a member of the armed forces and you are stationed in a state, let's say Texas, where abortion is illegal and you're a female soldier and you get pregnant, you want to have an abortion that you will get the time off and your travel expenses will be paid if you have to leave to go to another state. Yeah, that's the policy that he objects to. Yeah. But but the problem now because there's been a shift and that is that Hamas have attacked Israel, a close American ally which has triggered a deadly escalation in the Middle East conflict. And and Tuberville is, you know, is potentially slowing down what would be necessary. I mean, the U.S. is moving ships, moving carriers into the region. I mean, we also don't have an ambassador to Israel. Right. Or, or many other diplomats in the region are being held up by him and and Rand Paul and and Ted Cruz. Uh, so, yeah, it's a huge problem. Um, and, and there, you know, the Republicans counter argument is, well, you can just put them up one at a time instead of, in other words, what he's able to block is doing them all in batches. Yeah. The problem is if you there's do 300 every, now, there's 300 you, of these yeah, of these it would take, military appointments. That would literally be the only thing the Senate does for the next six months is do one at a time. Mili- yeah. We're going to do each promotion one at a time, each ambassador each diplomat i mean it's just crazy you can't operate that way so what happened was um schumer put through a handful like three or four of the most critical highest you know like the commandant of the marine corps okay we'll put through those but we can't do hundreds of promotions that way it's i mean it's i don't i'm hoping that this conflict is actually going to kind of nudge tuberville or more people will put pressure on him but you know this is a it's a serious problem and and you know the last thing obviously you want is for the US military to get involved in this conflict but you know all european leaders and joe biden's made it absolutely clear whose side the us is on and will be supporting israel to the to the very end um okay let's finish with uh, mike lindell because you know we sh- it's a sad story and i've said this i do feel sorry for mike lindell because he's an idiot and he fell for the misinformation about the election, uh, you know, election denial. He basically spread misinformation about the election. And as a result of that, and these legal cases and fighting against voting machine companies and everything, this has now got to the point where he's used every last dime 
to pay legal fees and he can't afford anything else. I'll just play the clip and we'll have a final chat about him. Um, all the lawyers we have for my pillow and uh, myself in the lawsuits with the lawfare with Dominion and Smartmatic, they uh, just filed in federal court that uh, to drop uh, to drop us as our attorneys and um, and this comes from uh, the lawfare basically and from the media. The attacks on my pillow, what American Express did, uh, t- take it, just devastating our credit and. We, I, we have to, I, I can't pay the lawyers. We can't pay. There's no money left to pay them. He's on the verge of tears. But what I thought when I saw this, Ron, is this is an example of what happens when you blindly follow Donald Trump, right? Yeah. You, you become collateral damage to this Trump brand lie where anything, anybody can say anything and claim it's true when it's not and... If Trump had just said, OK, I lost the election, kept his mouth shut and run again four years later, he would have been in a much better position than he is now. But yeah. he got all these surrogates. Mike Lindell is one of them. And they created this whole thing. And now, unfortunately, you know, I'm thinking about the employees of my pillow, people that are going to lose their jobs. Yeah. So uh, there are there are some sympathetic aspects to the Lindell story and and I'm I'm always sympathetic to you know to people em- right. empathetic and so you have a situation here where he, he's different see a lot of people like Steve Bannon they know the election wasn't stolen they're just charlatans they're they're just putting out lies yeah. and, and knowingly but the difference is Lindell absolutely believes all everything he says there he's not a fraud like he Everything he says is a lie, but he believes the lie. He absolutely has bought in. He believes people in China tampered with the machines and yeah. flipped the votes and all of that. So there's that aspect of it. There's also the aspect of the Lindell Recovery Network that he's helped thousands of addicts and he's paid all the bills for that out of his own pocket. He's got a made in the USA company where he employs 3,500 people in a manufacturing jobs in Minnesota and he apparently takes good care of his employees or has. So so there are certain aspects to Lindell that are endearing. And you also see that he's been completely taken advantage of by these MAGA grifters who yeah. have just... He's been duped. He's just him. been scammed, basically. Yeah. On the other hand, and this is the big darkness here, okay, is that Lindell financially props up so many of these people. So many of these people, these right-wing, really horrible people that have these podcasts and shows, their number one sponsor is Mike Lindell. And so when he goes away, when he is broke, which he is now, it's probably going to hurt a lot of them, and that that's a good thing. Okay. Uh, we have to finish, but it's been an, another fascinating episode. You can uh, rewind as soon as we've finished and start again from the beginning if you'd like to. The audio podcast for Uncovered will drop later tonight. And don't forget to visit MidasTouch.com for all of the latest news. And Ron is the uh, is the editor-in-chief. So uh, if you want to see more of his work, find him there or on Twitter. I'm Anthony Davis. Catch us next Wednesday at the same time here on Uncovered. <laughs> 